Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we're going through Proverbs 9. Verses 8 through 9, let's get it. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. That the interpretation here for me is people have to be ready to learn. But I'm going to add to this interpretation right here because I read it back again. It's like teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. And this hit a little different the second and third time I read this because it's like, if you are being taught and you are not increasing in your learning, there's parts of you that are wicked. Like straight up, if you're not teachable, the only part of you that is not teachable is the wicked part of you. Because if you were righteous, you will increase in learning as you are taught. And you will become wiser when given instruction. So you're either dumb or wicked which is wild to me (laughs) because i think it's wicked for most of us and honestly for all of us i think as we get closer to god we grow in that wisdom right because the, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the lord and so i think it's wild that you know those were potent words right like you're either dumb or wicked and um or i don't know if dumb is the correct um antonym of wise but you're lacking in wisdom or you're wicked right that's another interpretation if you can't learn if you hate learning you're either wicked or you're lacking in wisdom and people have to be ready to learn is what i also got from this because when you approach a scoffer they're going to hate you when you approach a wise man they will love you. So based on where that person is, they can either receive that teaching or they will reject that teaching. That's the interpretation. The entrepreneurial application is, who are you? Phase one, identifying limiting beliefs in faith, family, friends, fitness, and finance. When you identify those beliefs and you are aware of those beliefs, you can then start to redirect the energy, release the energy, use it how you choose because the beliefs and the limits start to dissipate as you become aware and you choose not to judge them and you just accept them. When you judge them, you reinforce them because you're like, oh, this is true because this, 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 and this, you start looking for evidence. But when you just accept it, like that is a thought that I have, it starts to dissipate, right? And so which one are you? When you get instruction, do you become wiser? Do you increase in learning? Or do you hate the person giving you reproof? Do you hate the person who is trying to help you grow and learn? And so when you identify those limiting beliefs, I feel like it helps you grow in wisdom, right? You go from that person who is, okay, I really don't want to learn this. I really don't want to listen to anything you have to say to, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn because you've addressed a wicked part of you. And I know that's intense to say that the part of you that is a limiting belief is wicked, but it is in the sense that it is not righteous. Like it is not who God called you to be is not who you were put on this earth to be. And so if that's you, it's because of sin, like straight up. 
And that's okay because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? But the free gifts, anyway, I digress. Um, so phase one, when you identify those limiting beliefs, it's like a personal, that's the inner environment, right? Identify those limiting beliefs and you will become wiser by doing that because you will become more teachable and you will mm, dissipate the part of you that is a scoffer, dissipate the part of you that is lacking in wisdom. You got phase eight, measuring results. And this is like how you're dealing with the outer environment, people around you. You cannot measure results of somebody who is a fool, basically. And so here it says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Then people go and try to reprove scoffers and measure the results. It's like, no, you're measuring the wrong KPI. You don't need to be focused on how well they took that reproof. What you need to be focused on is how much you were loving them. Because like we said, uh, in the last podcast, when God loves us, that's when we can start to follow his commandments because there's a trust there. There's a safety there. And so if a scoffer is acting like a scoffer and they hate you for being reproved by you, they don't need reproof. They need love. And so go love them and then measure how the love is interacting with them. And that's a you thing. Like you love them. It's not them accepting that love. It's you loving them. Like it wasn't us accepting the cross. It was Christ going to the cross, right? So when you're measuring results, keep that in mind. If you're dealing with somebody who's foolish or a scoffer or you know they're lacking in wisdom, they probably need love, not reproof. And then phase nine, your physical and environmental health. This comes into play because, you know, you give instruction to wise people. So if you surround yourself with wise people, they will become wiser and then they will give you instruction. You'll become wiser. But when you reprove a scoffer, there'll be hate and hate begets hate, right? So you don't get you don't get figs from a grapevine. So um, we are thinking about your the environmental health and the influences around you. Are you surrounded with wise people or are you surrounded with scoffers, with wicked people who are refusing to learn? And so where has this shown up in my life? I would say wishful thinking. I've really, Elon Musk said this. He was like, the, the biggest issue we all have is wishful thinking. I would say in my own business and businesses I've been a part of that have uh, gone to failure right? It's, it's all wishful thinking. Like you think something's going to work and you have no real basis for why it'll work, but you're going after it. And the key here is it becomes an expectation. So I think it's okay to hold wishful thinking with loose hands. For example, I would say raising the standard of living across the world to middle-class America so that everybody has more than enough food, water, shelter, and safety. It's probably wishful thinking right? But I hold that with loose hands. It's something I'm going after, but I'm not going through my day to day um, with like expectations that I'm holding on to tightly because those expectations will be the tyranny of imagination, right? Of adaptation, of flexibility. And so I think when there has been wishful thinking in my own business and businesses I've been a part of, and you hold on to that wishful thinking too tightly, it almost creates a limiting belief in the sense that, oh, I'm not here yet. That means I am this, like, I'm not good enough. I'm this, I'm that. And so wishful thinking creates expectations. A gap in expectations and reality creates unhappiness. Unhappiness is the like foundation for that judgment because you are deeming your actions and your results as not measuring up to who you think you should be. So you're already judging yourself, just like, I'm not good enough. 
because I'm not here. And so when you hold on to those expectations loosely, you hold on to that wishful thinking loosely, it's like, I'm not staking my identity in raising the standard of living across the world to middle-class America. It's just something I'm going after because I love to impact people and it seemed like a big enough dream and goal to get me out of bed. I Really, I picked something that was like, it's either going to be impossible to accomplish or if I pull this off, it'll be really lit. Like I was like becoming a millionaire. I was like, that's doable. Becoming a billionaire, that's doable. I wanted to go after something that was big enough, exciting enough to get me up every day. And so that wishful thinking is there, right? Nobody's ever done it before, right? But I'm also holding it loosely. I'm not letting it stop me from accepting myself, loving myself, and progressing myself in my business ventures and in how I'm impacting people. It's like, it's just a next step. It's a clear guidepost for a next step, but I'm not holding on to those expectations tightly. So I'm not reinforcing limiting beliefs that I may have about my own self-worth or that I could have about my own self-worth and the possibility of things happening, you know, because I have unrealistic expectations, basically. And so wishful thinking, I feel like has really popped up a lot. And, you know, I'd say the biggest way it pops up to kind of take this full circle is like expectations on time. And so I'm giving myself my whole life to raise the standard of living across the world to middle-class America, which, you know, I'm 24 right now. That could be until I'm 94, 104. If people are living longer, 124, you know? It could be that long. I could have literally 100 more years to pull this off. And so it expands my time horizon, lowers that expectation, allows me to hold on to that wishful thinking with loose hands. Now, in the business world, Things are kind of measured on a quarterly basis. So it's like, if you're not hitting your numbers quarterly, um, there are expectations there. There's an expectation gap. You're not cutting it. We're letting you go type of vibe, right? That's not everything, but you do gauge performance on a daily basis, which is good. Having daily KPIs is good, but having daily KPIs you can control is better. Not being results-based, but being actions-based, right? And so wishful thinking in business comes with, hitting a certain number in a certain time frame. So it's not that hitting a certain number is impossible. It's that doing it in a certain time frame may be impossible, given the set of daily actions you're doing every day. So this is really where it happens. It's like, I'm going to make two cold calls a day, and I'm going to close $20 million in business in the first year of business. It's like, okay, this is an extreme example, but that's some wishful thinking. You got people dialing 2,000 cold calls a day who do $2 million in revenue, in, and they're 10 years into business. It's like, wow, maybe me thinking I'm going to do this amount of work for this amount of time and get this result, that's probably some wishful thinking. And I think that's where it pops up, where people just underrepresent how much work they're going to have to do, how much marketing they're going to have to do, how many calls they're going to have to do, how many, what their close rate's going to be, how long the customers are going to stay, how much they're going to be able to charge the customers. Having wishful thinking with all of those factors, how engaged the employees are going to be, uh, it'll mess you up. <laughs> so that's where it's shown up in my life and my own business and then businesses I've been a part of. And then also we tie our ego to our wishful thinking. And so it's like, I know that if I was good enough, I'd be able to make two cold calls and close 20 million in revenue in a year, in the first year of business. It's like, okay, now your ego's tied with it because it's an expectation that you have. And it's like, if I was good enough, right? So now you have to protect your self-notion 
your self-concept and you start to hate things that are correcting us and we steer clear of it, which brings us to don't reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Now, a scoffer is typically somebody who makes fun of religious stuff, but let's just call it a fool or somebody who's lacking in wisdom, somebody who is engaging in that wishful thinking and have tied their ego to it. They start to hate things that are correcting them. They, they just like, you know, for the person neglecting religion, it's like, okay, I'm wrong about God, but I've tied my ego to my concept of the world. And because you're telling me that I'm wrong, you're now inflicting damage on me. It is now personal. I think it similarly happens in business where we tie our ego to how we think the business should go. And so then we're hesitant to pivot. We're hesitant to take correction. And um, yeah, that leads to ignorance, which is very expensive when it comes to business. Because uh, if you knew how to make $10 million a year, you'd make it. And by you not knowing how to make $10 million a year, it's costing you $10 million minus whatever you're making now, which for most of us is probably like $9,900,000, $9,800,000 a year, right? Which is an expensive price to pay. The ignorance tax. Look up Alex Hormozzi ignorance tax. He'll dive a bit deeper into that. But that's where it has shown up in my life, tying my ego to my wishful thinking and then being afraid to pivot. Now, I try to divorce my ego from outcomes. So this is where I want to show up in my life. Completely divorce my ego from outcomes, have accurate thinking, and always be seeking counsel. So by divorcing my ego from outcomes, it'll lead me to more accurate thinking of like, what are the, da the daily things I need to do? How can I loosely hold these expectations? And how can I optimize for consistency over a long time horizon? And when I seek counsel, I can accept the reproof, accept the advice that they're giving me because my ego is divorced from the outcomes, divorced from the process, if that makes sense. So that's where I want to show up in my life. And how can you guys apply it to your life? Start to sense where you get triggered when receiving criticism because your ego is involved. So if you're running a business or you are at a job and you're not making the cut, and then they're like, hey, I think you should do this over this time frame. And I think you should set yourself up this way. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do it this way, my way, because I've been doing it this way for 20 years, blah, 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 right? That means your ego is probably tied into how you're doing things and why you're doing things, which means you're probably not being as effective as you could be. And you're also alienating the very people who want to help you. And so start to sense where you get triggered. Then you dive into that. You seek to understand and love yourself by asking yourself questions and accepting those answers. Why am I triggered here? What is the limit that I'm placing on myself? Where is this emotion rooted in? Was there an experience I had at one point? And as you get aware of that, don't judge it, accept it, figure out a way to release that energy and then reorient it towards receiving wisdom, receiving reproof, and then implementing that by you've now divorced your ego and you can redirect the energy towards really great things. So ask yourself questions, seek to understand yourself, love yourself by accepting the answers when you do it. And then you'll start to naturally have more accurate thinking because all the limits you have placed on yourself and the world will start to dissipate naturally and it'll start to free up the ability to learn and redirect your energy. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you on the next one. That's all we got for you today. And on that note, we're out. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. 
See you tomorrow for another show.